Hello and welcome to Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The war in the Ukraine is having a major impact on global commodity trading, not only in fertilizer, but also in food production. As the Ukraine is such a huge exporter of food across the world, and a small reduction or increase in supply can have a huge effect on price. The exit of Ukraine, and largely Russia for the moment, to the world supply has brought food security into focus for many countries, including Ireland. Last week, the Irish government brought out a scheme to increase the level of tillage production in the country. I'm delighted today to be joined by Kieran Collins and Shafe Phelan, both tillage specialists in Chagas, to go through the main elements of the scheme, as we are aware of them at the moment, and also to map out areas to consider in order to produce a profitable crop from the newly ploughed grassland. Gentlemen, you're both very welcome to the podcast. Shay, can I come to you first? Shay, you might outline some of the main elements of the new tillage incentive scheme. Yeah, Michael, the scheme is there for 2022 and it's to try and incentivize more farmers in the country to grow more cereal area or, or crop or forage area than what we would have had in 2021. So I suppose the key thing to it is that whatever tillage land is applied for on the BPS applications in 2022 shows an increase uh, of tillage area on the farm from where it was in 2021. Um, and I suppose key to this is the is the is the criteria that it must come from the grassland. So the increased area that applies on your BPS application form from 2022 must come from the grassland area that was applied for in 2021. So it's it's trying to increase the overall tillage area in the country. Um, it's across all farmers, so it can be dairy farmers, dry stock farmers, or tillage farmers as well. So it's a kind of a scheme for everybody rather than just tillage farmers as such. So um, the rate of payment and the eligible crops for 2022, Shay? So for 2022, the rate of payment, Michael, it will be 400 euros a hectare. Um, and while we don't have all the details, the T's and C's still have to be published. Uh, so far, we know that wheat, barley and oats are, are included, maize, um, fodder beet, um, potatoes, uh, and they're all included in the, in the, um, in the scheme. Okay, so it's a fairly restricted scheme then, Shay. And uh, as you say, the uh, it's really ploughing grassland and putting that into your tillage area is the core of the scheme. Uh, many tillage farmers might be asking themselves, well, what's in it for me as a special tillage farmer? I don't have any grassland. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Michael. And I suppose that's something that has we have seen in the last couple of days, actually, since since the scheme has really been announced, that once people have gone down and dug down into what details or limited details are there available at the moment, a lot of tillage farmers who are saying maybe working the same land every year um, and are 100% tillage have found that there's there's no real benefit for those farmers in this scheme. I suppose where there possibly is um, an advantage for them or not an advantage for a role for them is that quite a lot of the farmers who are going to participate in the scheme may not have the tillage expertise or machinery to carry out the work that's that's needed so there may be opportunities there for tillage farmers to lend a hand or to pay or to do the work for um the the other farmers who are going to participate in the scheme and maybe get a payment that way for the work that they're doing as a contractor as such so i suppose for a tillage farmer that's probably the main um area of benefit in it now if they do happen to get extra grassland on their farms in 2022 that wasn't on their farms in 2021 and they plough that up or they show an increased area from that grassland, they can too uh, um, benefit from the scheme. But for a lot of tillage farmers, there's little or no benefit in the scheme for them. 
Okay, so I suppose what we're saying then is that the grassland farmer, or look, I suppose any farmer who's grassland or tillage farmer, they need to get high yields from whatever crop they're putting in, whether it's barley, spring barley or maize or whatever it happens to be. And a yeah. specialist tillage farmer is, is, is very well placed to, to, to achieve those yields. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can, I, can, I, can I ask you, do you think that, say, if we bring in, oh, I don't know, seven, maybe 10,000 hectares into the system, do you think much of that ground will remain in tillage over time? Difficult to know, Michael. Um, I suppose the one thing will depend on largely is the ongoing situation in the Ukraine and Russia. So if, um, as we see what's happening at the moment, there's embargoes on Russia and exports from Russia and, you know, grain um, supplies becoming tight because of the ongoing situation over there. If that continues for another year or so, uh, the likelihood is that, again, there'll be uh, incentive to, f- to farmers to try and produce more grain next year and the year after. Um, because it's not going to be just a once-off, I don't think. I think this could um, possibly last, or the, the, the outfall from the, the war could last for a number of years. So the likelihood is that there will be some sort of an incentive, um, or possibly, I won't say I won't predict what the Department of Agriculture are going to do, but the longer that this disruption in the in the Ukraine goes on, the more likely it is that um, tillage area will be increased over the coming years to try and meet the demand of um, or try to replace some of the demand of grains that normally come from that region to this country. So um, I suppose looking at it from, if, if I was a dry stock or dairy farmer or, or, or somebody like that, I mean, if they're reliant on imported feedstuffs and that's getting more and more expensive. So they may, be in, they may look at this as an alternative to buying in some of those expensive co- uh, compounds or feeds that they're having to buy at the moment. So in that sort of scenario, you might find that they do it does stay stay um, a bigger area over the coming years than what has been heretofore. Okay, and I suppose look, I suppose the other side of it is um, it, it's it's still profitable despite all the costs. The tillage, the tillage yeah. um, uh, crop is still profitable when you get when you get a decent yield exactly. out of it. Exactly. Uh, e- even before you add in the um, tillage incentive scheme, so it's 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 maybe a a good comparison to maybe some of the uh, beef systems that, that are out there. Exactly. Um, Jay, j- j- just one, one final one. Um, just in terms of the terms and conditions, um, where can a farmer find them at the moment? Are, are they open well, at the moment website? they can't. Um, and I suppose that's the, that's the big problem with it at the moment is that we're all waiting patiently for the terms and conditions. And to be, to be fair to the Department of Agriculture, I mean, there's a lot of thought, there's a lot of thought has had to go into this in a very, very short space of time, trying to cover off all the angles and, and, uh, um, and look at many, yeah, exactly, sort of thing, yeah, yeah. exactly, and all the different stress that they are. So we're hoping that those terms and conditions will be up on the department website within the next couple of or next week or two. Right, Kieran, can I come across to you? Um, and uh, as Shay has been chatting there about the about the scheme to stare, it's a big decision for somebody to plough up grassland because it's you know, it's pretty expensive to reseed that back down again. Um, but what are the fundamentals do you think that a farmer should look at before they plough out the grassland? Well, I suppose, firstly, the most basic thing is, is that land suitable to grow a crop of, say, cereal, say, spring barley? You know, has that crop grown barley before? Is it a fertile field? It'd be hugely important. Um, You know, if your soil indices are low, you're going to get a lower yield and it is very expensive to grow a crop of barley. So, you know, the land needs to be suitable. The soil fertility needs to be good. And thirdly, you know, what machinery is available? Have you got your own machinery? Are you relying on a contractor? You may grow a crop and find out there's no one to harvest it. So maybe they're just some of the basic fundamental things to look at first anyway, you know. Is it, you mentioned some of the soil indices there as regards to soil fertility. Is it too late to take a soil test now or can an existing soil test from a grassland field work for a farmer? 
Yeah, the existing soil test will work. Look, if you can get a, a fresh soil test and you can turn that around very quickly, that's ideal because you know where you are today. You can make uh, an old sample work, go in and look at the P and K levels, uh, work out the index that you're in, and is the, again, is that feel suitable? And then obviously look at the, the pH as well. Now, the pH, um, you know, recommendation might be different because it's grassland, but you can uh, adjust that for a stereal crop. Okay, so there's a little bit of adjustment there. Maybe talk to your advisor. Maybe on that one, might be might be the thing to do. But when you when you're talking about pH, then, Karen, uh, what are the kind of key parameters when you're putting in, say, like the spring barley or maybe beet or maize? What's where should pHs be? Yeah, look for 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 wheat and and barley. You'll be looking at in around six point five. You know, and 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 maize maybe a little bit higher. Beet needs a high pH. You need to be up around seven for beet. You know, so um, so they they they're they're the key ones really um, in 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 terms of pH. And like I say, if you have an old soil test and you do have a pH, you know, you can you can um, adjust that uh, recommendation to suit the crop that you're growing this year. Okay. Okay. Shay, just to bring you back in then, just in terms of the crop choice that, that, that's out there, and Kieran mentioned a few of them already, what should farmers be thinking about as regards the markets or maybe even the input availability? That's that, that's not. Yeah, I think, I suppose the, the one thing, as you say, Michael, that people should be looking at is the input availability. And that's, that's certainly been an issue even already with, with a lot of farmers. Um, so by and large, I'd say spring barley is probably going to be the most available uh, crop out there and all the inputs that we can actually use on spring barley are probably going to be the most readily available that are out there at the moment if guys are growing maize and beet i mean they're more specialized crops so they might find in different parts of the country uh, where those sort of crops aren't really specially grown specifically that it might be more difficult to get the they get the, the inputs for those crops so i would say for the most part i'd say michael it'll be spring barley will be what most people look at and i suppose the other point about that is to if you have a crop of spring barley it's much much easier to sell it because you always have the local merchant who who readily take it off you so i suppose from from most people's point of view it'll probably be spring okay. barley that they will grow and and just in terms of the costs of production maybe for shave for I don't know, maybe spring barley and maize. What, what what did that look like, and and what's the potential returns if if they were to be sold for a farmer? Yeah, well, I suppose again, um, we had a crop cross and returns returns booklet published there in the spring, uh, and those prices have changed drastically in the last couple of weeks. And um, we're now looking at say spring barley total variable costs of somewhere in the region of about seventeen to eighteen hundred euros a hectare. Um, and for maize, you look at maybe two two thousand four hundred, maybe even two and a half thousand yours per, per hectare to grow a crop of maize. So they're not cheap to grow, um, uh, especially this year. But I suppose it all comes down to yield at the end of the day, Michael. And as Kieran said there, you have to look at the yield potential of the of the ground. Um, we, we reckon that, including the tillage incentive scheme payment, that if if you were looking at, say, a seven tonne crop of seven tonne per hectare crop of spring barley, you know, you could make upwards of 800 euros, maybe even 850 euros a hectare. And likewise at maize, if you can sell 50, tons or produce 50 tons a hectare of maize, uh, including the tillage incentive scheme, you could make maybe 900 or nine, maybe even a thousand euros a hectare. So it, the profitability of these crops will come down to how they perform during the year. Sound, so, it sounds good, but I, I suppose that's um, when you get the returns back in again. In terms of financing it in the middle, you mentioned something like two and a half thousand or a thousand, over, well over a thousand euros an acre to finance maize. Do you think finance will be a problem? Uh, potentially, um, and I suppose that's where each individual farm will have to sit down with, with, with both their merchant and their local bank manager and see what sources of funds they have or can generate to try and grow these crops. 
And, you know, it may be something that they may be able to offset against a feed bill later in the year. So they may, they may be able to you know, restructure loans or whatever to have to, to, to try and fund this um, and front load it at the beginning of the year rather than maybe buying something or getting loans later in the year. The other thing, I suppose, we, we did carry out a survey there a, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, in the, about 60% of people said they didn't see finances being a problem uh, for them this year. So hopefully that is the case and they can they can uh, get whatever they need to, to grow the crops this year. Okay. So in terms of, Shay, if, if a guy is going to burn off a bit of grassland or is going to, I suppose, plant a bit of grassland ground, is it necessary to burn off a glyphosate? Yeah, to make look at to facilitate how how to to work the crop and work the soil and and to reduce weed competition. Yes, they really should be burning it off at glyphosate. Um, probably something in the region of three and a half liters a hectare of the three sixty type um, glyphosate, um, and leave it maybe seven to ten days, um, before you before you decide then to start plowing or, or or cultivating that that stage. So yeah, I would burn it off, Michael. Karen, can I come back to you then? Just bring it back in, just again, just setting up a, a crop, just in terms of the possibility of low P's and K's in somebody's soil. Is there anything a farmer can do to get around or to better utilise the P's and K's that the, that the farmer might buy? Yeah, look, as I said earlier, low low indices for P and K leads to lower yield, and 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 that's that's inevitable. But you can, there are measures, as you say, that you can do to get better utilisation of those nutrients. The first one would be certainly incorporating P and K and some nitrogen in the seed bed uh, at sowing time. That's 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 very useful. Um, if you can place that that fertilizer better again, you know, getting that 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 particularly phosphorus um, near the seed. So I suppose that 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 certainly would would be one area. I would also look at as well at maybe crop choice. Um, oats is a little bit more forgiving than say spring barley in a, a low fertility site, and if it's for one year, you may come out the right side a little bit better with with oats. Uh, having said that, you need to be sure of your market. Um, you know, if you're using it yourself, that's fine. But you know you need to check with your merchant, with your with your merchant, because um, you know oats isn't always easy to sell at harvest. Okay, so we also mentioned Karen uh, the the fact that some of this ground might be low in uh, lime as well, and obviously there's the likes of slurries and farmyard manures can be used to offset the cost of some of the purchased fertilizers. Can a farmer put it all on together? As in, you plow the ground, you come in, you throw in a bit of lime, then you throw in a bit of farmyard manure and then maybe uh, maybe top it up with peas and case is that possible all in the one you know time is getting short all in the one week i suppose really or a few days yeah again it's it's, it's about getting that, that 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 yield so if your peas and k's are low as we said already i think you really have to incorporate you know you you, you plow it um maybe ideally cultivate it if it's grassland it should be kind of tightened a little bit whether it's rolled or ring rolled um you know put your peas and k's on then in terms of of, of low ph um it is advisable to put lime on the plowing because you need that lime up near the, the soil surface if you plow it down you're putting it away from where you need it uh, that reactive part of, of the lime will be available immediately. Um, and, you know, that, that that will help in terms of, 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 of this season's crop. Um, as I said, again, oats in a low pH scenario might be might be some help there as well. But certainly getting, oh yeah, sorry, the rate of, of, of lime would be important as well, actually. Um, you know, any more than probably three tonne per acre is, is um, you know, you, you can't really apply any more than that. You, and you also risk locking up the likes of manganese if you if you if you over apply lime in those situations and and, and applying slurry and or farmyard manure alongside of all of that is that 
possible absolutely or no? uh, yeah okay. slurrying farmer manure can can replace uh bag fertilizer and chase work with the high cost of growing crop if you have those available to you i'm sure many livestock farmers entering the scheme will you know it's 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 crucial that you use them it can reduce the cost but also it's crucial that you uh incorporate them uh you may best use low emissions if that's available to you um, but certainly in ploughing in uh, soon, you know, after after application and, you know, that helps retain most of, or a high percentage of, of the nitrogen that you apply in the slurry. OK, so Shay Kieran has got us all the way up to having decent seedbed um, in terms of apply, in terms of putting in seed. What sort of seed rate should, should farmers be using in those cases? Yeah, bearing in mind, Michael, that we're now moving into April, so we're kind of starting to get towards the end of the planting season we would need to keep our seed rates up. So normally in April, we would look at somewhere in the region about 325 plants per square meter. Uh, and this would equate to about 190 kilos a hectare uh, of seed at a, a thousand grain weight, you know, in excess of 50, where we're seeing this year because they are quite big. So an old money that would be somewhere in the region of about 12 stone uh, an acre. And I suppose given where a lot of these crops going into grassland areas where, you know, there might be some pests knocking around in terms of grassland pests like Leather jackets and wireworms. It's always better to have a little bit extra than to than to try and you know cut back on the seed rates. So I would say somewhere in around that 190 kilos a hectare or 12 stone an acre is where I would be looking at. Okay. You mentioned a couple of those pests there, Shay, uh, and I believe there's there's almost no um, chemical control for those, so it's really all cultural. So finishing off that seedbed, how important is that with the likes of ploughed lay? Yeah, it's vital, Michael, because I suppose one of the things that we would be afraid of is when you're ploughing up layers, getting a good solid seedbed, uh, consolidated seedbed. And quite often uh, you can see guys when they plough up grassland, the seedbeds can be quite fluffy and quite loose. Uh, and you don't tend to get as good a germination in those sort of situations. And you also get more damage from pests. So in those situations, you know, a, a good Cambridge roller is a, is a very good tool. Um, to try and consolidate that seedbed after, after you've drilled it and try and keep that seedbed as tight as you possibly can, uh, bearing in mind you don't want it too too tight that you're going to maybe cap the ground or something like that. But um, you need that ground good and tight to restrict the movement of the likes of leather jackets or slugs or, or possibly even wireworm, because as you say, Michael, there's no chemical control for any of those anymore. A lot of um, those... I suppose maybe predominantly grassland farmers or maybe all grassland farmers, if the one tool they do have that's, that's a suitable fertility is probably the big flat roller. Is the big flat roller, is that is that suitable at all in this, these situations? Yes and no. Um, again, it comes down to your how wet or damp the ground is when you're, when you're sowing this. So you would think that most of the time when we're drilling these crops that the ground will be good and dry. But quite often what can happen if there's any moisture in those seed beds at all and you go with a flat roller and you get an extended dry period after that, you can get capping of the ground very, very quickly. So in that scenario, uh, you'd, you'd opt for a Cambridge roller because it doesn't pack the ground as well. That said, once the crop comes up uh, and, it's, and it's reasonably well established, if you're seeing uh, problems with leather jackets or wireworms where they're taking out some of the crop, by all means at that stage, uh, a good flat heavy roller will help to, 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 leave, to alleviate the problem. So it's probably the only tool we have to control those pests in a situation like this. Kieran, can I go back to you then, just in terms of um, uh, that, 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 say, barley crop that's after being sown. Um, can you sow or can you under-sow grassland into that as part of this scheme? 
Uh, as I understand it, Michael, uh, yes, uh, that's before terms and conditions have been read, but uh, yes, you can. However, I would say if the target here is to grow a cereal crop, I would think that the crop should be grown to normal commercial standards. And as Shea said there, the seed rate needs to be up around, say, 190 kilos and that. And that does create some difficulty for if you're if you are trying to undersow, but you have a massive investment in a cereal crop. And um, you know, I, I I think, you know, in my opinion, a farmer should make every effort to grow a good cereal crop given the costs and, and that are associated with it. So Karen, if if a farmer does decide to undersow that crop, does that affect the management of the crop thereafter? Um it, it, it does. It certainly does. I suppose, firstly, you, you have to look at the weed control options. So when you have um, grass or when you have grass under sown in, in a cereal crop, it does reduce the, the number of herbicides that you're, you're allowed to use. The easiest answer there is to talk to uh, an agronomist there for, for the best advice on that one. Um, also, then, I suppose, then it, it depends what you're, you're doing with that crop afterwards, you know, whether it's going to harvest or, or whole crop but certainly disease control and that will be the same i suppose the the, the main management thing there will will affect the the, the weed control okay uh, you mentioned whole crop there or bring it all the way to, to harvest what do you mean by whole crop specifically and does that fall under the remit of this particular scheme yeah, as we understand it today, yes, whole crop is allowed under the scheme. So instead of taking the, um, you know, the crop to, to normal grain maturity and harvest and, and maybe selling it or, or keeping that, that grain on farm, that you can alternatively make a forage out of it, uh, whole cropping it and, and, uh, and, and pitting it, which is a very useful fodder on a farm. And we saw farmers in 2018 during the drought, um, you know, buying the likes of spring barley, whole cropping and putting it in the pit. And it's a, obviously a very high energy feed to, to have in the silage pit. Look, guys, that's brilliant. Thanks very much for that. It was a very quick fire round almost in terms of trying to get around all of the bits and pieces to do with the scheme and also some of the uh, important agronomic bits uh, in terms of planting LA. Guys, thanks very much for your time and hopefully we'll be talking to you again shortly. Thanks, Michael. Well, Michael. So that's all we've time for today. And my thanks to Shay and Kieran for joining me today on the podcast. As always, if you have a suggestion about a topic you'd like to hear more about, drop me an email on michael.hennessy at joggis.ie or on Twitter at joggiscrops. We always want to hear from farmers and people in the industry about what interests them, so please do get in touch. Finally, don't forget, if you enjoyed the podcast and recommend it to a friend or colleague, as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to joggis.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back to you next week with more tillage news and advice.